everybody, and welcome to Bad End Podcast, episode 105. Woo! I'm your host, Kyle Cookstell, joined as always with my co-host, Joshua Calixto on the line. What's up? Josh, thanks for calling in. I have great news. You're the first caller, which means that you get to be the co-host of Bad End Podcast today. So I hope you're ready for... Uh, about an hour to an hour and a half of talking about video games. So thanks for calling in. Hey, Kyle. Um, uh, Josh Calixto here. Longtime <laughs> listener, first time caller. Um, I've been having trouble gaming recently, Kyle. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. It's, it's just that the buttons on my Xbox are too big. Josh, can I ask you a question? What's up? Have you tried getting good? Um, yeah, it didn't work. Okay. A lot. Okay. I've tried okay. a lot of times to get good okay yeah it's in the lord's hands as we like to say yeah the- um i'll tell you listen i'll tell you one thing though right now josh speaking of getting good it's been a long time since i felt like i was good at a shooting video game and i've been playing some split gate and i'm pretty fucking good at split gate <laughs> really have you played any split gate yeah i'm like i don't know what i think it's it's something about the weight of it uh and like the the pace is just it's tapping into the hours spent playing halo and like that very perfect time of your life when you have a lot of time you can play a lot of video games um i'm just like tapping into this old part of my brain that in a world that was you know previously dominated by like call of duty uh or like third person shooting games or I don't know, Fortnite where it's like building spam, even like apex to a degree. I'm like ripping at split gate. Uh, like I'm good. Top fragging. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm getting like top frags every round. It's just, it just, I, it just clicks with me. Um, for the listeners who don't know, split gate is a not new, but it is a currently hot first person shooter video game that combines halo halo ish type gameplay with uh like portals from the game portal and i know what you're thinking that sounds like a meme and that it's stupid and i thought that when i first heard about splitgate i think we probably splitgate probably came on our radar in the discord like a a few months ago and like halo meets portal sounds I don't know, boring or like uninspired or, or not fun beyond the premise. And I am pleased to report that the game is very much halo with portals, but the game just feels good. Like they, the weight of everything in Splitgate feels like dead on feels great to play. Um, the guns feel great. The sort of reception when you're hitting stuff feels great. And the portal aspect is really cool. And what's the cool thing about it that I was not expecting was that I just thought it would be like portal spam, like everywhere. Like I assumed that, you know, you're playing halo with portals and there's just portals everywhere. And it's just sort of a madhouse. And what's actually the case is that, so not every wall can have a portal on it which is a big deal. And then also people don't use portals like a ton. They're more used to get sort of strategic um, 
like points on the map that you can look at and kind of make a call from um, versus like just portal spam everywhere. So there's a lot fewer kind of portals all the time than you would maybe expect. And I think this is an older video. It um, is. It looks like it's a little bit of an older yeah, one. But. It looks like an older version. Josh is on the, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, Josh has pulled up a clip of Splitgate right now. He's looking to play it. But you can even sort of see here, right? Like there's definitely portals and people are moving portals around and stuff, but this is like really the, high level. The other thing about it is that like, yeah, this is some high level. They play. use portals a lot and it, it's really impressive when they do. But even then, right? Like the, like you're not spending most of your time just flying around portals all the time. Um, what's sort of cool about it is that you're, you're like, you're playing like what is effectively like a really good new arena shooter that has the weight of a game like Halo instead of something that's like um, like Unreal or Quake or anything. It's not that fast. So it's not like the sort of retro revival FPS thing. Like we just had the Quake, Quake 1 remaster just came out. Like it's not like that. It's way more like Xbox 360 era Halo 3, 4 style game. Um, and it's just like, it feels like coming home, Josh. It feels like I'm coming home. Yeah, I mean, um, that's like one of the things that kind of grabbed me about the game at first is that it felt like Halo or one thing I feel like it, it, I compared it to a lot in my brain when I played it too was like Tribes and yeah, how it's very, yeah, yeah, it's like, got some tribes. It's going. got this kind of gimmicky movement, I guess, quirk to it where it's about moving through portals and using the momentum from the portals to go places. There's even like some places you can put your portals that are really, really high and or unexpected. You can actually shoot through your portal. So you can just mm -hmm. like kind of be in two areas of the map at the same time, essentially. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, just, I think just to, just to like really agree, I think that there's, I think for a long time in a lot of, first person shooter games, you had this, uh, everyone just trying to chase what's popular. And I think Splitgate, <laughs> Splitgate is sort of funny because it's like not, nothing about this is popular or cool. Like there's no, like this game could have easily been, um, like Cliffy B's next game or something. Like it, it has a lot of those sort of vibes of that style of play. Um, but it's, it's just, it's crazy. And, and, and to be fair, it actually did come out actually two years ago. Um, it's just gotten bigger recently because there was a console release and then also a lot of sort of bigger streamers started to play it again. Um, so it sort of has, has like reemerged recently and has gotten, uh, I think I even just tweeted out that they got like some new venture capital funding. So like the studio is going to exist for a long time and, um, have other stuff, I guess games happen, but it's just, it feels like this sort of breath of fresh air. It feels like another trajectory of where shooters could have gone, um, kind of after, after something like call of duty or after something like Fortnite. and Splitgate feels like it's the latest release in a trajectory that we didn't, um, like we haven't seen. So I, I'm sort of excited about it. I've been playing it. It's like sort of my go-to shooter right now, kind of after work. I'll play for like 30 minutes and get a few rounds in. It's like fast enough. You don't have to communicate with your teammates, really. <laughs> the maps are small. Like they're, they're very much like arena design shooters, which is also, it's sort of cool because I think for a long time, 
people assumed that the arena shooter was sort of dead. Like you get, there's more like realistic maps or whatever. And the idea of having maps that you can sort of learn in an arena context, um, it was like, I don't know, people thought it was over. Uh, so it's just cool to play this. It's cool to get back in that mode. It feels really good. It's free, which is a big deal. It's free to play on Steam and I think Epic Store. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about Splitgate? Yeah, no, I mean, I like that it was, it reminded me a lot of Rocket League and how you can just kind of hop in. It feels very low stakes. You don't have to play. I, it's just something about the way other games are set up. Um, even like a Call of Duty or something where it just feels so much more high stress. I think, I don't know if yeah. it's a UX thing, but just the way that you like queue up and the way that you like kind of prepare for the battle is just, it, it's weird. It's, it's a weird thing. And, uh, but this game, it just feels very low stakes when you hop in, you kind of just press a button and you're in. And I really dig that. Yeah. About it. I think especially like, I think for like, for, I don't know, the past three years, right? Like the dominant form of, um, like first person shooter matchmaking was that you join a queue to sit in a queue and then wait for like five minutes for a room of 60 to hundred people to full up. And then you wait for, you know, two minutes to spawn on a map and then you wait five ish minutes to encounter someone and then you die and then you wait 20 minutes again. Even something like overwatch has got a pretty big time to like get into a match, especially now when they've really locked stuff down for roles, like, getting into a match in overwatch. If you want to play a specific class, so to speak of a character can easily take like seven minutes. You just like launch up split gate. And like, I think Josh, the, the rocket league analogy is actually super apt. Like you just launch it, you press play, you join, everyone's basically got the same shit and you just kind of have at it. And then you can just keep queuing. There's like very little fuss and it just feels, it just feels like so liberating. You're like, yes, give me in. Let me shoot something. I'm out. Only, only like the only thing that can, comes close in my mind is something like um, Counter-Strike, which I feel like is pretty good at that sort of thing. If you're playing it like casually, obviously, but. I think part of good. it is the, like the drop in slash drop out ability. Um, yeah. A lot, so many video games and we kind of just tend to forget this. It's like you get punished if you just feel, don't feel like playing anymore. And like, you're kind of, restricted in the sense that you're locked in once you start playing the game. And if you don't, you're screwing over a bunch of other people. Um, and just the idea that you can kind of just drop out of this whenever and not like screw over the team. They can like, you can pretty easily be replaced. Obviously that's not in every scenario, but if you're playing casually, it's not a big deal. If you just felt like dipping out or whatever, Counter-Strike is like that too, where if you're just playing gun game or whatever, nobody's going to care if you leave the server um, but if it's Valorant, even if it's Overwatch or something like that, it it really kind of screws up your team to a much larger degree. And I think yeah, that's something that we take for granted is the ability to kind of hop in and out. Um, and it just it feels like you have a lot more freedom, even if you end up playing the entire game. And I think that it's all of those things that create this like environment that feels a lot more casual and is just like a lot more fun in some ways. 
granted like you know sometimes you you do want to like be locked in there and like in your competitive headspace or whatever but um it's nice to have the option to participate both ways which is something that counter-strike has done for decades now you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not a new thing it's not a new idea counter-strike has always had competitive ways to play and it's always had ways that you can just like hop in and shoot some bots or whatever well, I think like and the interesting thing about Splitgate is that they, they do have like sort of funny modes that are clearly like not meant to be ranked or casual mm. modes, um, but that the core tools that you're playing with don't feel like they're geared towards competitive play. Like there's no choice, right? You press play sort of like Rocket. I mean, Rocket League, you can choose your car unless you like really are keyed into Rocket League meta. What car you're choosing doesn't really matter. You're like choosing a car and you're pressing play. You don't even really choose a car in Rocket League because you probably chose it, you know, two years ago and you haven't switched it. You like join Splitgate, you press go and that's it. Even something like Overwatch, even if that uh, like onboarding ramp is really fast, you're still getting, you're joining and then you're presented with a swath of like 36 characters or whatever to choose from that also have to complement the choices of your other teammates, even in a casual game, right? I think and, there's like a competitive queue, but I you don't start. Yeah, out yeah. With there's it. a competitive queue, but it's like all the core stuff is the same. Same guns, same map, same like time to kill, right. same like amount of jetpack, same skills. And I think that's that's what's sort of nice is that it just is like, listen, this is what you're I think the I guess tribes does have classes, but I think like the rocket league thing is really clear where it just, it feels like a breath of fresh air, even as it's actually sort of very retro and how it does stuff. Yeah. So for instance, there's like this mode called shoddy snipers where you just have shotguns and snipers, but it's just like a main game mode that you get in the queue when you are queuing up for a game, you might just get shoddy snipers, uh, which is just, yeah. it's just, that's like a funny mode that you would have played like Halo or something like that. But this game just kind of has it as one of the default ways of playing. Um, but yeah, like we need slightly lower stakes video games out there. Like not everything has to be an eSport. And I don't understand why more games don't let you participate in both ways. It feels like those more relaxed modes are an afterthought. Because you you assume that like the players will stick around if it's like highly competitive and has a really high skill ceiling. Right. If it's really low and they feel like they can dominate the game after one match, then why are they sticking around? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I understand it to a degree, which is that when you have it be a more team oriented and quote, try hard type game, you... I feel like you foster a little bit more of that sense of community because you have people working together to get as good as the, at the game as possible. And they're playing competitively against other people. It seems like a good way to kick off um, that experience. But I do think that it's better to have those options. Like league of legends has a Ram, which is all random, all mid. It's a mode where you play as a random character the game plays a lot faster. It's basically all team fighting all the time. There's very little macro strategy involved, if any. And it's like one of the only things that I play when I play League now, just because it's like just so much lower stakes, way less people are being toxic. It's way easier to get like friends to play because it gets really intense sometimes when you're playing Summoner's Rift, which is the main game mode, 
with friends right. and you have to worry about trolls and all these random people. It, it fucking sucks sometimes. Um, but give us more casual modes, dude. I want to segue to another game that is the opposite of Splitgate. <laughs> and, and, and the team, the team low stakes arena. Uh, do you know what Hell Let Loose is? No, but I feel like I've heard, heard of, of it. So Hell Let Loose is the sort of next in line, newest version of this like type of game that has been kind of moving through Steam. And I think it's the same players who play all these games. It's it's like not quite as simulationist as something like Arma, but it's like first person shooters that are uh, geared more towards simulation um, than others. So things like Red Orchestra are sort of in the genre. I have seen um, clip somebody playing this before. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So Hell Let Loose is sort of the latest one. And basically it's a, it's like a World War II first person shooter game. Um, but it is like very hardcore. So Josh has pulled up a video here on the, on the YouTube channel, but like, I don't know, you can't really see this, but there's like no, uh, there's no crosshairs. Um, so you don't actually, uh, you can't actually see, um, if you're shooting people or not, uh, there's no indication if you're shooting people. Um, and the game is not just about like making it hard to play, but what it does is that it's actually the structure of the game is like, um, you have squads of people. And so squads are comprised of four people. And then each squad has a squad leader. And then every team, I think the team sizes are like 60, maybe each squad leader has the ability to talk to a commander. And so commanders talk to squad leaders who talk to the players on their squad. And then squads can sort of have different flavors. There's like generic sort of infantry squads. There's also like armor squads who control tanks and there's like a few others. And so the idea and, and the game takes sort of a long time to play like a one big match and so in, in its best form, you basically have this commander who's sort of like lording over the battlefield and is looking at this like map of everybody. And then um, all the players are sort of calling out where people are at because the game itself is based around sort of capture points and stuff. So you're trying to capture all these points to take it from the enemy, but because there's not like a mini map or whatever, and you're not like you, you can spot people, but if you spot someone, the spot doesn't like track them. Like it does in something like battlefield or apex. It's sort of, it sticks to spe specifically to a point. And then you have to just kind of check in on if someone's there or not. So it's like way more about team communication. It's like way more about coordination. Um, and the, like <laughs> the ask, right. Compared to split gate is like huge. Like if you sit down to play a game of hell that loose, like it, it is not, <laughs> an interesting experience for 10 minutes. It is a really interesting experience over like nine. What minutes. happens if you die? Um, do you respawn? If you die, you do respawn, but there's no ticket system, which is sort of nice. So if you die, you respawn and you respawn on where players positions are at. Um, but you can't like take points back. So it's not quite like battlefield conquest mode where you can like sort of, um, like just, it just, it's basically like a round robin. Everyone's just taking all the points all the time. Oh man, this thing is insane. So on the video right now, you're seeing an artillery strike. Isn't this, this is fucking nuts. crazy? Yeah. Uh, when I saw it being played, it was a lot less, it was a lot more janky than this. Cause it's not even, yeah. Is so the game is released? like 
gorgeous. Uh, I think it just came out of early access. I also feel like I should um, let me do. I feel like the person who sometimes the person who hasn't played it does a better job of explaining what is happening. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it looks like a battlefield arma, almost. Yeah. Where it's more, it's not quite as unflinchingly realistic as arma, but it has this really immersion focused thing when it comes to gameplay which is like huge battlefields like kyle said no crosshairs so it feels like very um almost like the first time you experience call of, call of duty yeah where it's about the sound and this the sensory experience this <laughs> this map that they're playing on is like there's not even any buildings well at least in the section of the map that they're in and it's just like a forest so you're literally just looking through trees trying to find people and when you see a person there's no like health bar over their head or anything like that so you're just shooting and hoping that you're hitting them even though like you don't really know if your bullets are registering or not it, it's it looks pretty wild to be completely honest with you yeah so the one of the lead creators i think was a um like a vfx supervisor or artist on hacksaw ridge which is this oh like my uh, god like world war ii Andrew yeah, Garfield. film so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the game looks like a sort of World War II, like, HBO movie. It's, like, it's super pretty. And the gameplay is sort of up to snuff. All that to say, though, like, it's very fun to play, but also it is, like, a commitment. Yeah. Like, if you're playing, like, you have to be coordinating. You have to be talking to your team. You have to sort of be working with people. You have to sort of hope you have a good commander who's leading everybody. Um, so that you can like, you know, play effectively and like take objectives because you don't know where the enemy's at. Right. So you're relying on other people or the commander or the squads, squad leaders to be deploying you to places where people are at because you're trying to hold these positions. Um, and it's, yeah, it's sort of, it's just nuts. Um, it's like really cool. It's, it's one of these things where like, it doesn't have all of the things that make something like battlefield or call of duty sort of be intrinsically rewarding just for playing them. Like you can just play sort of a support role in something like battlefield and you can just tag people and like whatever and have like a pretty good time. And you like hear that sweet sound when you hit somebody, all that stuff. Like it's got none of that. Like it doesn't like as a, you as a single entity in a game, if you're trying to play it like Rambo, you will die and it will not be fun. Yeah. Um, so you like really have to, uh, like rely on your team and like rely on coordination. So like you really need to be on mic. And, um, I think even oh, a lot yeah. of servers are like, That's will horrifying. kick people who aren't on mic. Um, letting so, go when yeah, you bleed out, it says letting go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. So yeah, this looks, uh, sumo says pretty tempting looking and yeah, I definitely want to check this game out because it really, I'm really digging how creative this is as just like a design and like an idea for a video game, um, which is, do you ever play like, uh, did you ever play games as like a kid that were like, was like a game of tag in a huge field or something? Mm -hmm. I used to play this game like in middle school where it was like, there was roles, everyone had like roles or classes and it was like you can do certain things if you had oh, a specific yeah, role. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like healers. Yeah, it was like if you you could unfreeze someone only if you had a specific role. You can only you know there was other things, but 
being in just a real life environment is not as designed of an experience as a video game experience, which sounds yeah. intuitive. But when you think about it, wars are fought in spaces. They're not they're they're not fought on like fields that have been designed to be fought in necessarily. You know, like they've they dig they'll dig trenches or whatever, but to a large extent, like they would have these battles in like open fields or they would have it on terrain where they weren't exactly they weren't exactly able or you'd to like try to have a battle where like your team or your you know your country has like a tactical advantage or exactly whatever. but it very much feels like this sense of just being in a place and having to just you're just fucking shooting at people and like sometimes you're in an open field sometimes you have vision cover sometimes you have trees between you and the person but um, it, it matters like whether you can see them, how good of a shot you have. It, it, it's not really mechanics or how fast your reflexes are as much as it is about like knowing where you are and being able to work with the territory itself because the territory is not working for you. Uh, yeah. And that's just a really, yeah. Like you, like you like might see someone and shoot them in like one life and hell let loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you're, if you're really lucky, like in your first game, you might get one kill. It seems like a game where you're very Maybe. likely to get killed by someone you don't see. Oh yeah. All the time. And that's what you sort of have to rely on like your teammates and other people and kind of guiding you through where you should be at a given moment because you will die if you're like out of position or whatever. Yeah. This is like the, the video game version of like what, war reenactors wished they had basically oh yeah totally and that that's another part of it too is that the experience is sort of like more compelling the more the people who are in it are willing to like larp out the game where if you're if you're trying to play it like battlefield like it'll just feel like a mismatch but if you've got people on your squad who are like doing call outs and stuff and just sort of being like they're just really feeling it and like feeling the intensity of the game. Then it gets really cool. Um, yeah, it is like, I think it's like $40 or $30. It's definitely like a, it's a little chunk of change for something that's pretty niche. Um, but it is cool, but I've been, I've been playing way more Splitgate than this, but I did play this a bit cause I was listening to another podcast that was talking about it and I was like, that sounds pretty cool. So I dig it. I dig it. I like this. Yeah. This design, this, this concept. Look at that map too. That's the map is like a topographic map. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not even like a fun, like cool map. Like I think it's fun and cool. Yeah. Um, what are you even playing Josh? I got death loop, the game, Ooh, the game of the week. It's a game of the hour. Game of the hour. Yeah. Um, What do you know about Deathloop? Uh, it's made by Arcane, who made Dishonored. Um, it looks a lot like Dishonored, and it's a there's a time loop. Uh, that's that's about it. And yeah, that's also like all I've really tried to know. <laughs> yeah, same. I nothing nothing about it. I mean, I'm going to say my perspective and you can play as a person who's actually played it. 
I'm, I'm just like not really interested. Maybe if it's like really cheap, but, um, I don't know. I'm like noted triple a game, whatever. -er. And I look at this and I'm like, yeah, and I guess maybe this is cool. Yeah. But you played it. Yeah. I mean, people swear by dishonored, right? Like they love dishonored. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of the art style and the, the architecture and just the general overall vibe of the game. I am kind of whatever about that game slash series. I thought it was like super annoying and punishing in a lot of ways where it's like a stealth game, first person stealth, like Deus Ex. Uh, oh yeah. The stealth in that I game I just sucks. hate like, oh, you got spotted, run away for fucking five minutes and you, two hits kill you. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, Ugh. I'm like trying to drag a guy. I have to drag a guy to a dumpster. That has never been a fun thing to do in video games. Like yeah. unless there's some slapstick element to it, which is what Metal Gear Solid did right. Um, but yeah, this game is less intense than that, I would say. It's a lot easier to just run around and shoot people in this game than it was in that game. Uh, you're kind of discouraged from doing it, not because it's harder, but because um, there are other kind of mechanics to the video game that make it so that you don't want to necessarily kill people. Um, I think the kind of hook for this game artistically is that it's influenced by like black exploitation and uh, is more in that kind of realm, which is interesting territory, but uh, I think the game handles it well. Um, you got some like really cool actors in the lead roles which I really like. It's not like super exploitative, I wouldn't say, even though it's pulling from uh, black exploitation stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, besides that, it f feels like it has a very like quippy um, Joss Whedon-esque, you know, that like video game voice where it's just like, oh. And no nothing you've ever said has made me want to play a video game less than like. Yeah. Knowing there's good quips. That's the, this game is very quippy. I think they were trying to go in the opposite direction of Dishonored uh, in that super serious vein that, that that game had and very intense. This game is a lot more, um, I would say like chill. It's a lot more laid back than that in some ways. It's not afraid to be funny and to have like a little bit of a camp factor to it, which is cool in some ways, but I think the writing is just, I don't know, man. It's like, it's so 2020 nerd, you know, like where it's just like, it's so <laughs> like it, it's so obsessed with how clever it is and how funny it is. It has this voice thing that like I have spotted in a lot of places recently that I'm realizing where it's like, they'll basically start a sentence like midway in where it's like, went to the beach today didn't see anything crazy <laughs> a kid you know where it's like they they're not using articles or whatever they use a lot of that voice yeah, and like yeah, the yeah, logs yeah. and shit like that very like noir-esque <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um there's an assassination type deal to it um the whole 
concept is that you're reliving a day over and over and over, but everybody knows that this day is being relived over and over. So they have this kind of weird hedonism going on and all of the environments sort of reflect that. I don't really know. They don't really do a good job of kind of describing like why the stuff in these games look the way they do, you know, like this, this game has like weird posters and fucking art and stuff everywhere. And it's like, they didn't really explain why it looks like this. You know, it's like, hmm. sometimes I feel like it's like just an aesthetic. It, yeah. But, but it's like, it's a cool, it's set. like an aesthetic pitch where it was like, Oh yeah. What if, if you had a bunch of people living the same day over and over, what would their world look like? And they gave that directive to their art people and the people who are just creating their environments and they just like built that, but there's no real reasoning behind it. Like a lot of the people that you're fighting against have masks and they do this like lamp shading thing where they're like, Oh, you, you find like an audio recording of this person who like was apparently in charge of things. And she was really into, she gave everybody masks and it's like, Oh, that explains the masks. Like, cause there's like a running gag of like, why is everyone wearing masks? And then you find a quote explanation, but I don't really, it's still not really a very good explanation just cause their boss like wanted everybody to wear masks. Yeah, sure. That can be the, the reasoning behind why they wear masks, but it's, and it's like outsizedly represented in all like the marketing materials and screenshots where it like, it looks cool that people are wearing masks yeah. and, but it doesn't, it's this like kind of mid century, this like mod like mid-century modern-ish look to everything. Stuff is randomly painted and color blocked uh, on these like old buildings. And it's like, okay, dude. Josh, is there crafting in this game? Uh, No. Not that's really. Good. Okay. Well, they just picked up nails. So Yeah, those are... nail gun? That's ammo for your silent okay. gun. Okay that shoots nails. I was about to say, if there was crafting. Yeah, not really any crafting. It's, this is also one of these things where like, and you know, in the same way where like you'll have Hollywood actors who you never see ever and then all of a sudden they're in like six things and then they sort of like go yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a similar thing with sort of aesthetics in both like, and in, in like media where, you know, there's people build mood boards or whatever. And those mood boards, even if they get put onto pitches that don't actually get picked up, they sort of influence the visual language of the stuff. And sometimes the projects that are pulling from the same like visual designers who don't even know they're in the same dialogue or doing the same thing. And I'm looking at this and I'm just like straight up seeing like, this looks like that like Loki series. Like it's all the same sort of colors and tones. That's actually, it's like something's in the water for sure. Yeah. Something's in the water where those people are like, you know, this, the same visual designers are being, sh- I mean, because especially because games are so big now, it's not crazy that the visual designer basically did all the concept art for Loki and then came over to arcane to do some stuff. I have no idea if that's the case or not, but it's just funny how you get two things who both sort of alone are u- unique in their genres, but are very similar to each other. What's funny about it is video games have always had this thing where it's like, I want to do something that looks like this 
but in this world, right? And like that's it's been like that from the very beginning. If you think about Mario, it's like I want a pl- the main character is a plumber and he goes into pipes and he saves a princess from a, mo- a dinosaur. You know, it's just like a very childish imagination routes that lead to like the art of these games. This I feel like arcane stuff is that same shit where it's like, what if we had like Victorian London, but with like Mm -hmm. steampunk stuff and, you know, time rewinding mechanics like Prince of Persia. And it's like it's the same exact path that is extremely video gamey, except they got concepts that are of higher brow than yeah like a kid drawing a cartoon or whatever or whatever uh mario's concept came from i'm also also just looking at the video i'm seeing the same thing that like even as like a teen or whatever playing dishonored like this these games are so violent like and not in like a (laughs) it's not even like a fun aesthetic violence it's like you go up to someone and then you like stab them in the chest and they like bleed all over the place and they like die a sad death. Yeah. And this, and it's in this like, game, it's a little bit it's, less it's like, like look at this guy just fucking slashed this dude in the back, stabbed him in the back and is bleeding on his shirt. And it's like, yes, it, just, it I feel like it, that, that thing just so undercuts so much of the other stuff. Like I think that arcane's visual sense and like aesthetic sensibility is like amazing. Like, they're great. They're great at building these types of worlds that are highly executed, but then they just put this layer of like gamerism over it. That's just like, that's, that's what I'm saying to a large extent is like, (laughs) there's a lot more friction in this game between that stuff because in dishonored, at least it was being serious. At least it, it had this, um, even when it was doing like a pastiche thing, at least it had this, ambition to it with like the art and stuff that felt at least somewhat cohesive in this game it's just like none of that stuff is there but they kind of just expect you to know like oh yeah we're arcane this is what this is how we do stuff you know and it just does it feels a lot more jarring in this game it's it's a weird disconnect between the art style and just the kind of like lack of stakes that is to a large extent Mm -hmm. pervades this game. Um, and that is kind of rubbing me the wrong way about it. Um, besides that, it's also super buggy. I'm playing it on PC. Uh, I have a really good computer, but it's super stuttery. It has a lot of, um, this is like a known issue and they've actually released a patch today. I'll probably play it later, but I haven't really played as much as I would like because of this which is weird. I like, I hate to play a game and have it be like this thing where I'm like, this gameplay is not good enough for me, but it really (laughs) feels bad to play uh, on PC. So that that's kind of been holding me back. Um, I'm like a few hours in, um, but I, I do expect to play more of it. And yeah, like it's weird because it's like you can go into the game and appreciate the art and appreciate just these environments and what they look like and the creativity of putting all these things into one place and making it into like an interactive painting or something like that, which is you could kind of take it in, take it that way. 
Um, but then there's the whole element of like just chopping people in half and fucking shooting them in the brain and stuff like that. That is the whole experience to a large ex- extent of the game, which is it's harder to reconcile in this case, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, like they have the people because it's a time loop when you kill them, they just disappear as opposed to like being a body, which a is supposed to kind of contribute to that less um, consequential feel. And it, it also feels it contributes to that less contra- consequential feel in, in the way the gameplay works too. Cause you don't have to hide bodies and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if uh, people have, if you have any questions about the gameplay or anything like that, um, the way that the loop, it, well, it just makes me think of something else that, I want to talk about if you're sure. Um, if you're also like, about it's not quite the same as another time loop game that we played called 12 minutes. You can hear us, uh, absolutely <laughs> hate on that game, um, in the previous episode of this podcast. Um, but it is a time loop thing, which is weird. Um, and the way this works, it does sound like, yeah, well, the way the way this works is that like you play the gate the the day in chunks. So like there's morning, and you can just stay in the morning for however long you want. You can just like walk around for hours in the morning, and then like when you exit, you go to the after or you go to like afternoon and then evening, and then there's those three cycles, and then the day starts over, and you like lose all mm-hmm. your gear between the days, but you keep all your information. So you're basically like building up your knowledge so i mean what's with the time loop things like you were talking about how you see a lot of things that just randomly appear in in a year or whatever like this in the low-key aesthetic it's also 12 minutes and um fucking time loops uh outer wilds Mm -hmm. yeah one thing that i think is is sort of interesting about this that katie katie mccarthy of uh old old bad end host um was talking on the discord about how I don't really know how this difference is, but basically that one thing that this game does do that a lot of time loop games haven't really done as much is that it's got a little bit of like a sort of like Hitman style thing where because you're in a time loop, you can sort of mess with stuff and the things will repeat. So like if someone comes and unlocks a door in the afternoon, you can like steal their key in the morning so that they can't unlock the door, which sort of changes their actions. But she also said that it wasn't like quite like Hitman, so I don't really know what the the difference between those. There's would just be. not as but much that, stuff to mess with. Oh, okay, gotcha. And it's so that's sort of cool, like this idea of an immersive sim that can be sort of reactive in that way. I think that's sort of different, but that's not enough to get me to spend sixty dollars. Yeah, and a lot of those events this. are very like yeah. scripted and very like handholdy in that like you'll find a note that was like like, like, you switched the key well it's more like you'll find a note on like a garage door that says like hey do you mind unlocking this door in the afternoon or something and then like it's like (laughs) look at your journal to you got a new note look in your journal and then you look in your journal it's like someone is going to unlock this door in the afternoon make and it's just like just so you know wink 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 Cause if they didn't have those things, it would just be way too vague. Like there would just be way too much going on. And it sounds very like Majora's mask 
style. Uh, I've heard that it's more like Majora's Mask. I have not uh, actually played Majora's Mask, but yeah. Hmm. One of those. The one, the thing I wanted to bring up that was in relationship to this is um, I've been watching my uh, my wife play um, Ratchet and Clank for PS4. I Which one is that? that uh, Which installment? It's just called Ratchet oh, and Clank. it's like the reboot thingy? It's the reboot. I thought that um, A Rift Apart, whatever the new one was, I thought it was a dual release with PS4 and PS5, so I was going to buy it. And then found out that Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart, not available uh, on PS4, but they were doing a sale on Ratchet and Clank PS4. And so uh, we bought that and she's been playing that. And I've just been sort of watching. I haven't really played, I played like Ratchet and Clank on like PS2 at like a friend's house. So like, I don't know, for like an hour or something. And I just sort of watched it for a while and hadn't ever really played one. Uh, and just basically watched her start to finish play Ratchet and Clank PS4. And it's interesting thing looking at that and sort of comparing it to something like Deathloop, because I think they actually have a very similar um there's like a similar sort of impetus, I feel like, behind them, which is this idea of this world that is this like sort of fun and interesting place to be in and uh is kind of exciting. Um, and I think what's really interesting about Ratchet and Clank compared to something like Deathloop is that Ratchet and Clank is like way more interested in just being like, you're in a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. You're like doing this like character adventure movie that is on more or less on rails, but like you don't care because you're getting like a sort of compelling 12 hour or, you know, eight to 12 hour story that like looks really nice. And so something like death loop, I feel like sort of, it sort of wants to have its cake and eat it too in those measures where it wants you to feel both like this protagonist who can make these sort of meaningful decisions, but at the same time, you can't really actually be that because there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, Whereas something like Ratchet and Clank is just like, Hey, have a good time. It's a fun, like Disney story. Uh, We give you a ton of collectibles uh, and like have at it. And there's something about like something like Ratchet and Clank feels like, it's like, it's like so much more confident in that. And like in the dialogue is like similar to like Pixar E dialogue where it's like sort of winking, but also the characters are so outrageous that it's not trying to make any sort of claim on like realism or anything that can be undercut by other elements that are in play. Like something like just not dishonored, something like death loop, right? It can try to act like very serious and gruff or like quippy. And then like, you're stabbing someone in the face. And so it sort of undercuts whatever other stuff is happening. Whereas this is like, you're like basically playing as like the protagonist of a Pixar movie and you're just moving through it. Um, and like all the weapons are like fun and weird and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting to play something like this because especially as someone who plays mostly like strategy game type stuff or like RPGs playing through something like this, that's so like, like it's, it's full on like th- this is a game that is sort of built to be someone's first game. So at the very start, it's, it's got the old school, like, you know, look at the taillights of this ship to see if they're working to like teach you how to use the right stick and like teach you how to jump and stuff. Um, and so it's sort of built like that. And the whole experience is just like, it's almost without any friction. 
and it's just sort of fun. Like it's, it's properly like, you know, we say fun as a bad word, but I think in the context of a game like this, like that's actually the goal. The goal is to have it sort of just be exciting right. and sort of like a nonstop stream of stimuli. And it's super, it succeeds at that. Like it's great. Um, it does exactly that. And it doesn't try to think that it's supposed to be more than that or like dip in these other waters. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It is, I, like I said, I haven't really played anything like this really um, recently at all. So it was just sort of also fun to check in on like, what is a third person, like, you know, sort of character, action. slightly kid oriented character action game. Like, and yeah, good. Ratchet and Clank has always been a banger like that. It's always had that appeal to me, but uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And it's like, there's just such a, it feels like such a siloed thing. It's kind of what I was trying to touch on, which is that with something like um, Dishonored or Deathloop, it, it just, it feels like you have two sides that, you know, one is the kind of like art and design side of creating a video game. And it's like, we want to create these beautiful places. We want to create this beautiful story. We want to create this world that's influenced by like things that art people really like, you know? Mm -hmm. And we want to pull all these elements from all these really sophisticated highbrow places. Um, and then you got the other side that's like, well, it's gotta be fun. We got to have the shooting. We got to have the nail gun. We have, we got to have this. And it's just these two like really disparate parts that are just doing their own thing. And then at the end, they have to put those things together and this is what you get. It feels very much like that. And I think a lot of AAA games that aspire to have this artistic appeal have that issue. It's this dissonance between the art and the gameplay. Um, not like a ludo narrative dissonance it's it's something that goes a bit deeper than that even though bioshock one would probably ar can, one could argue suffers from a lot of the same things that we're talking about um but yeah it, something like ration and clank to me does feel much more confident in itself and that it's like yo this game is fucking pretty like just look at or even like when you were talking about with like Psychonauts 2, right? Where like, I think that so, like someone like Double Fine like recognizes a sort of innate absurdity of like so much of what's going on in the context of a video game and like the way like stakes are sort of manipulated in games where like dying doesn't really mean anything because you can't ever actually really let someone lose. So like all of their games sort of speak to this in a way that I think makes them be like like better versions of the form where I think this tension you're talking about is like really a productive tension. Like maybe you get a really cool world that's like a really interesting place to sort of explore, but you're sort of sacrificing other stuff because you're still sort of hamstrung by the limitations of the like space you're working in of like, you know, AAA video games or whatever. And if you were to have a game that was to just take this this vibe and this feel and have the art and the gameplay be a lot more cohesive it would often require some kind of drastic rehashing of what the gameplay experience would be otherwise you know so it's like if they have whatever engine it was that they used 
for Dishonored and they wanted to recycle that for this game, um, Deathloop, I mean, uh, it, it almost feels like that's kind of the intent, you know, like, oh, we want to have something that, you know, uses a lot of the same gameplay elements as Dishonored because we have all that shit laying around, but we just want to redo the art or something. It feels like that's where the game came from. Like you got your two separate teams doing the thing. They want to make it look different. And this is what they came up with. Um, whereas it would take a lot more to build something else from the ground up. And, uh, I, I guess that's kind of what we were talking about with 12 minutes, which is a game that we really didn't like because of how it was executed, but was doing something interesting and something that we would kind of like, like to see more of mm-hmm. nonetheless. So, or it's even sort of weird. That's like something that's also circling this for me is the like lack of staying power of the idea of the walking simulator. And how it's sort of surprising that we haven't really had any new like AAA walking simulators that are doing or trying to do similar things or moving in more in that form. Like, I mean, people talk about, right, like Death Stranding is sort of the closest thing we get, but that's even sort of its own thing that's like very gamey in its own way. Um, I'm, I'm thinking too about like, there was like, I don't know if it was like a PC gamer article, but there was some article like two weeks ago that the headline was something like, you know, two years in, nothing comes close to Disco Elysium still. <laughs> That's this conversation is just making me think about that. And I'm just like, yeah, like they just nailed it. Like that, not to sit, not to bring it back to just how amazing Disco Elysium is again, but just seeing a lot of this stuff just try in this sort of different sphere and knowing sort of how much the Disco Elysium team like didn't have access to, but was still able to execute something that has proved to be like incredibly, you know, meaningful to a lot of people and like relevant and moving the genre forward. And like, you've got the money to make death loop and you like make death loop. You don't make like, what is like a dishonored that's like more like Disco Elysium in terms of what it values from like a gameplay perspective sort of look like. Um, Yeah. I mean, I feel like, the walking know. simulator thing is kind of it's kind of self-defeating in some ways though right which is that we have a lot of things that look like walking simulators but that are not necessarily walking simu- simulators Oberdin came out a couple years ago and you yeah yeah but that's not, I'm, i guess i'm talking about like any of these big studios that make these large triple a first person third person shooter I, games i think the problem and the thing that is difficult is that the ask is not a walking simulator, right? Like no AAA studio in, I think wants to make a walking simulator. Like they, I feel like they just don't really sell as well. I think that they are not as popular of games. They're not as quote fun. People are like less likely to pick them up because of that. Um, but they need to have just some entirely different hook that brings them into some other realm. Um, and that is what Oberdin did, but it, it's not a triple A game. Mm-hmm. But to create something like that from the ground up and to say, like, I'm going to have a video game that has these systems that have never been done before is a lot more of an ask for these larger studios that is like really rough to do. And so I think we're only going to see that stuff kind of thrive and really exist in the quote indie sphere. I think the positive flip side to that is that the indie sphere is growing as we've discussed also before to be more like AAA. Um, so if you look at like Annapurna, for instance, 
they're out there doing mm-hmm. this type of thing essentially. And those are the type of experiences that they seem to be building a lot more of, uh, which I think is a positive sign. Um, super liminal was super dope. I, I really liked that game. Uh, and, uh, I think that was Annapurna. Fuck was that Annapurna? Oh God. I don't remember. Um, 12 minutes. Was yeah. 12 minutes. <laughs> Not a game that we want to push here uh, that everyone should play, but that did something interesting at least. Um, and man, you know what? Actually, game that I really want to replay and I think is has just disappeared from the conversation that I don't think deserves it. I think it's like unfairly maligned. Is fucking the beginner's mm-hmm. guide? Oh, dude, I love the beginner's guide. The beginner's guide, guide is. I'm a huge beginner's guide Stan. I hate the Stanley Parable. Yes, the beginner's guide. I am. I am the same exact way. I I feel like that game got a lot of attention when it first came out. It was the topic of discourse. I feel like discourse at the time was a lot more hard ass and less appreciative of the good shit that we got because that game is really good and there's nothing else out there really like mm-hmm. it. And I want to see more like that. Um, What's it called? Um, Promesa. Shout out to Promesa. Promesa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Gave me a lot of beginner's guide vibes. And it's like, that's what I want to see. That's, but you can't call either of those quote walking simulators because there's something going on at a macro level with those games that puts them in an entirely different realm. And I think that's why, that's why it's tough to think about the walking simulator because I don't feel like the walking simulator is a genre that ever should have really existed in the first place. Like just walking around, looking at stuff that does not have to be the gameplay hook. You know, I don't understand. Like, or you can, or you can make the act of like looking at stuff more meaningful. Yeah. Just like looking at landscapes and then listening to audio diaries. Is that, not like, and and yet that's what, it became right because because the precedent yeah. was gone home or dear Esther, it was like, oh, you, you just walk around a house and look at magazines, and there's like a big monologue at the end that is very intimate and theater kids will love. That that was like the entire basis. Everybody's gone to the Rapture, What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, all of these types of games is like the same exact concept, but it's like that does not have to be it you can come up with some other hook that is just way more interesting and Mm -hmm. the beginner's guide did that promesa did that i think that there's a lot more space for creativity there that we're just not seeing and i think part of that is because the walking simulator nomenclature is pretty restrictive and i feel like people get stuck in that mindset when they don't necessarily need to i think there's like a lot of space to be creative there Mm mm-hmm but yeah, um, hmm. I don't know. You play anything else that wasn't walking simulators? I played Wilmot's Warehouse. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Talk about that. What inspired that? It was on Game Pass. Oh, nice. It is just, there should be more games like this. <laughs> So Wilmot's Warehouse, you could describe a lot of different ways. When you say like this, which part are you talking about? Um, this YouTube video is 
describing it as a quote logistics simulator, which is actually not a bad, <laughs> not a bad way of describing. I it. think that in a world where Factorio exists, it's a bad descriptor. But it came out. I guess it came out after Factorio was out. It's for the viewers. Wilmot's warehouse is. You can describe it, Josh. It's a top-down <laughs> um, organizing simulator. You're like you're moving around a warehouse, and you're like grabbing blocks to sort of deliver them like diner dash style to a um like a sort of shop window. Yeah, and it's <laughs> um you okay? <laughs> it's like it's like kind of avant garde. Like it's very it's very weird. It's got a little bit of the like um just like a touch of the sort of like Pendleton Wardy adventure time absurdity kind of like also maybe very sad stuff under it. Um, but is also sort of very pleasing and doing it. Yeah. And well, the way it ramps up, like you feel the cleverness of the design as it ramps up. So the way that it starts is Mm -hmm. like you work in a warehouse and we're going to get a shipment today. And it's like three sandwiches and like a map. Right. And then it's like you have people that come to your the window of the warehouse and they're like, I want two sandwiches and I'll take one map. And then so you're like, okay, you're you go to the warehouse, you grab the sandwiches and the map, but you have a time limit to deliver them the stuff. Okay, simple enough. Right. You you are fulfilling an order with things that you have in your quote inventory but the inventory is not this abstracted inventory that you're used to in video games it is literally a warehouse floor (laughs) where you can put these objects wherever you want but there's a huge amount of space to put stuff so you have to do the organizing yourself it's like someone gave you a pile of books and dvds and were like organize this and you have to do that in a way that where you could find it as easily as possible. So usually in organization, you have systems for organizing these things like the Dewey decimal system that they use for libraries, or, you know, you might sort stuff by, you might color code things, or you might sort things alphabetically. There's any number of ways that you can organize things and you start creating systems for organizing the objects that you have in Wilmot's warehouse. So at the beginning of the game, I sorted, I have like these weird names for the categories that I am sorting things into in my head. (laughs) So I had like outdoor gear was like, I had like a tent. I had uh, like boots. I had um, like the other thing too, is that like the, the little boxes that represent the objects are oftentimes abstract so you'll have Mm -hmm. something that looks like i interpret it to be like a person blowing a bubble like a bubble being blown out of one of those little uh the the rings that you put the soap in and then you blow the bubble out that's what i thought that that was so i put it in the outdoor gear section um and then i had like there was like a camel there was like uh pyramids um, some like Tori gates, like Japanese stuff. And I was like, I'm going to put that in like the travel section, I guess. So I have all these things sorted out, but then they start mixing it up. They start throwing like abstract patterns at you, like blue and white stripes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is not an object. 
in real life. <laughs> that is just a pattern. But you are saying is like an item in my warehouse. So then I start creating like a an abstract patterns section of my warehouse. But then all of a sudden I have like 50 items that are all abstract patterns. So I'm like, well, how do I organize those? And I'm like, well, then I will color code those abstract patterns. They all have like blue and mm -hmm. red abstract patterns in this section. And then I'll have like blue and white abstract patterns in this section. And then I'll have, um, I have like a symbology slash like iconography section where there's like, uh, the fucking Jesus fish symbol. There's like the number seven in like an stereoscopic 3d looking type style that I have in that section. And like, also as you're doing this, the time is, <laughs> time like is running ticking down, down on your thing. So it's not like Josh is pausing it to be like, let me just rearrange this. Like the orders that gotta be done. And all the same time, you're trying to like re like reorganize your whole warehouse. Yes but like nothing's slowing but down then. Okay. The, the kicker to the kicker is that then they start fucking combining things. Cause they know how you're categorizing these things in your head. Right? So I have like a blue and blue and yellow abstract pattern section. Right. But then they'll give you a blue and yellow, like Frisbee, but the Frisbee is just like a circle. So do you do what I put that in my outdoor gear section if I'm interpreting that to be a Frisbee <laughs> or do I put that in the blue and yellow abstract uh, shapes section and they start giving you more and more things that have similar colors to things that you've already organized or that are that like could be outdoor gear that like you've already put into a specific place and it starts messing with your mind. Cause you're like, did I put this in this section or this section? And it's weird. Cause it's like, it's all in your warehouse. The question is whether you can find it, <laughs> you can figure out where you put it before the customers get pissed off at you, which is a f absolutely bonkers video game concept. First of all, like just organizing mm -hmm. shit, like, holy crap. It, like that's just so cool and um i don't know i love that about this game that it's the gameplay loop itself is just so different than anything i've ever really experienced at the same time i suck at this kind of thinking organization has <laughs> never been my strong suit and i can feel it i can like feel it falling apart in my head man and what sucks is like mm -hmm. they give you okay after you do like five levels it's like okay you can now reorganize all your warehouse. Like all the excess surplus stock just stays in your warehouse and people will probably ask for it in the future. But then you have to organize <laughs> your warehouse in this downtime that it gives you. And it's, it's totally no timer. They give you just windows where you can just organize everything. It's like, all right, take as much time mm -hmm. as you want. And it's kind of, that's like also really neat. Cause you can do get into this like Zen headspace of like, I'm cultivating my organizational organizational space and like doing feng shui shit with my warehouse. Um, but in reality, you're also just like, I have no clue where I'm going to put any of this shit. I don't know what this pattern is. I don't know what this abstract shape is. I don't know where this goes. And um, it's a little bit stressful. 
but uh, <laughs> in a cool way. I definitely reached the point when I was playing where I was like, I get it. And I'm like as stressed as I want to be. And I don't want to. I will anymore. say my warehouse, whatever this footage is that we're looking at, I feel like my was mine was a good amount nicer. Than, I basically had it where yeah, it was shelving. I put everything up against the wall, put back in a shelf. So I would like pull things off the shelf where it existed. And then I would put like some white space oh, yeah. between sections so that I knew where different sections were little couple yeah. organizational, uh, Marie Kondo tips there for you. The Wilmot's warehouse meta. Yeah. But there's also like a person for whom this game will satisfy this like loop in their head. Right. Of like organizing things, finding things, delivering things um, that, you know, there, there will be some people who, for whom shooters, it's like responding to things, having really good eye hand-eye coordination. Those skills are being tested for. This game tests for a completely different set of skills than anything that you ever really see in video games. And I feel like if this was... I feel like this could have been like a threes type situation where if it, this like just mm -hmm. if this hit correctly on the the app store, like it would have just tapped a market that had never really been tapped before. You know, I feel like you can totally imagine one of those ads where it's like, where does the hats go? I get four yeah. points. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you're like, oh, God, I just want to put the fours level, next to the fours. I couldn't get past level five. Yeah. yeah. If they had one of those companies, Catch App or whatever the hell, working on this shit, if they had a version like that, that was like super optimized for mobile audiences and really had some scummy designers who like knew how to do that shit, this could have, I feel like that's all this game needs to be the like 2048 to whatever threes was, you know, there is mm -hmm. a 2048 to this game's threes out there that has not <laughs> been made, but it's very, but this is better than whatever that game would be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I could see the potential there, man. Organizing shit. Just looking at it now, it's like, it's firing some synapses in my brain. They're like, organize it. What are these shapes though, man? Bricks, stars. See, there's hearts and then there's like, there's a single heart and then a four heart <laughs> variation. And you're like, I thought like, I you put that. Like, this is my number ones yeah. and my hearts ones. And then yeah. just the internal dialogue that you have, or monologue that you have while playing this game is hilarious because it's like, I put this in the outdoor, I put this in the abstract pattern section. Like, oh, <laughs> fuck, that's, no, it's in the performing art. I have a performing arts section <laughs> that has like a TV. There's like a TV in there. It's in my performing arts section along with like the trumpets. I definitely remember playing it like weird. I don't know. Like I played it. I think I played it like two times or something. And then I just like was not, I'm not like intrinsically motivated by just getting a higher score. So it was sort of hard after you do it the first time, unless this is like really your thing. I didn't really feel like there was a huge, it's not really about this, like, the yeah. score. I feel like it's just, it's more about like, can you, keep up with the amount of objects they're throwing at you, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that's what a cool game. It is what on cool game. game pass. X PC 
Game Pass. Check, Check it out. out. I also think it's on Nintendo Switch, which is that's Ooh, a good place to play this place. game for sure. Yeah, just a little bit before bed, just get some organizing. Get in. some Wilmots in. Absolutely. I got one other game I want to talk about. You Ooh, got anything else? No, I'm good. All right, I want to talk about Cruelty Squad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Have you played Cruelty Squad? Uh, I played like the first three minutes and then I was like, mm, <laughs> no, not, not tonight. Uh, you're like Camelot's a silly place. I don't know about. <laughs> um, trying to think of how to describe Cruelty Squad. It's a first person shooter um, that is like, I think it's like nominally about you sort of assassinating targets in um, their houses or places generally. Um, but the first thing you'll notice when you look at Cruelty Squad is that it's got this like sort of insane aesthetic uh, that's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like um, low poly is like the easy. No, not even low poly. It's not even low poly. It's like, <laughs> it's just sort of like, like data mosh, like trash aesthetic. It's almost like, like it's almost like really bad meme aesthetic sort of, or like it's, 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 it looks fiercely amateur, but it's obviously like done by someone who's got a sense of what they're doing. Like they're not, nothing about this is not deliberate. There is um, like, um, it's like a killer seven grasshopper manufacturer yeah. via arcane kids. Yeah. Like arcane kids style thing. Um, it's, uh, it's weird. I haven't, I've only, so I've played the first, uh, three levels, three or four levels. I don't totally remember. Oh, and so the other thing is that it's sort of got this like immersive sim, esque like uh system so you're you're assassinating these targets but they have like houses and they have like guards and there's like weapons and stuff hidden around and there's like things that you can interact with um and yeah i'm actually realizing as i'm talking i don't know really what to say about the game yet now, i don't know if I'm i think there's a lot of other stuff going on like I'm looking at what you're seeing now and I'm just like, what I was just fuck? so overwhelmed um, like by the amount of mechanics and stuff going on. It sort of looks, it looks like, which I think you feel like listening to a death grip song sounds <laughs> like it's just like in your face. Um, kind of gross. Makes you feel a little weird. Yeah. But I think, so I'm not selling it very well. I do think that it is trying to do some stuff with like the first person shooter, not necessarily the first person shooter genre, but using the genre of first person shooter to say something a little bit more um, about like capitalism and like precarity of people. And even I think some like religion stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I need to play more of it. I think it's, it's got that thing where like the first three levels are like, once you sort of get over the aesthetic the first three levels are like pretty sort of standard. You're like, oh, I'm going here killing these people. It's like sort of weird. And there's like some weird stuff, but it doesn't feel like it's gotten to that moment where the dam is sort of broken on like 
when the weird really gives way to what the game's sort of hiding. Like it feels like it's got a pretty big buried lead. Um, and the, yeah, I feel like we should both play this. Yeah, um, I agree. And talk, talk about it some more. I just want to, I wanted to put it on a radar to say that I am playing it. Um, it, the game's also got like a little bit of hype right now. People are digging it. Uh, I think it's doing pretty well on steam in part cause it's like so weird. And I, there was um, a donkey thing on it. There was a big donkey video on it. I think people are playing it now because of that. Um, wild. wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Maybe it's just like a little tease for when we really get into it about Cruelty Squad. Yeah, wow. Um, what the? Yeah. We're just looking well, at the footage, just memorized, mesmerized. Uh, Sumo asked us a question in the Discord. Yeah, let's do it. We can answer it and wrap it up. Um, Sumo says you brought up Ratchet and Clank tonight, but also Psychonauts 2 is out as well. Both of these are such old feeling games. Where do you see these older style action games going into the future? Are these modern releases flukes or signs of a throwback wave? Uh, do you want rare style collectathon games to return? I'm all for bringing back the collectathon. I think that one, one thing that is like the case, I think, is that. It's 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 sort of unclear on if uh, the first person shooter genre has sort of staying power for the history of video games beyond the past, like, I don't know, 15 years. Like the sort of the dominant genre has been first person shooters for a while. How long that will be the case? Like, I don't know, maybe forever. But there's something there's something about like a collectathon character action game that is really compelling for people who haven't played games before because it's very easy to understand and parse and doesn't require like reflexes. So you can just like a kid, a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, whatever kid can like pick up ratchet and clank and sort of like button mash their way to success and like have a good time in a way that you just can't do that with first person shooters really. Um, so the fact they went away I don't really know why they, I think they went away because of like other, just other stuff happening in the industry. But even in the past, like 10 years, we've seen like ukulele and a hat in time. And, um, there's like one or two others that were sort of collect-a-thony stuff, but I don't know. I would love to see more of these games. I think, I think it also, the other part of it is that I think one it's, word. These games, especially looking at like the new Ratchet and Clank feels like a, like this feels like the next place really high quality art can go in a way where I think we're sort of reaching the plateau of uh, like photorealism in video games. Um, and if you have a really strong art style, that's not photorealism. Taking that somewhere that's not a first person shooter, I think the next sort of obvious place is something like a third person um character action game collect-a-thon type thing where the game is focused around like how nice these worlds look and you can do level design and stuff where you can sort of bring all these other skills to bear there's a new uh in this medium kina gate of spirits game yeah the kina game there was that astro game for the playstation launch that was supposed to be pretty good bridge of spirits um, that's it yeah you know it sort of feels like that stuff would be it feels like where things will go next I think especially as like 
I mean, stuff like ray tracing that makes a lot of, uh, like Pixar quality aesthetic stuff sort of more doable, um, outside of just photorealism, I think we'll probably start seeing more games that look more like quote unquote cartoony that aren't like cartoony, but have a really distinct aesthetic style that is fun to just explore in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know why they went away. I think people just got burned because there were so many of them and a lot of them are really low quality. No. I mean, Ratchet and Clank got up to like number five before they sort of like pumped the brakes. <laughs> I have a, I have one word for you. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Minecraft. That's where mm-hmm. it went. Yeah. Because like if you think about it, like kids were playing those games, you know, those are the games that we like, I grew up on. Um, but like for the following generation, that's all like Minecraft, Roblox, stuff like that. You know, I feel like those types of games yeah. were not as much of a cornerstone of the youth gaming experience as something like a Minecraft was, which was like inherently defined by its like more multiplayer focused nature, crafting, having all these other systems. Or like the fully user play part of it. It's like, it's like, it's truly a sandbox in a way. These third person action games were never sandboxes. Yes. And so when that's what you grow up on, your idea, like the paragon of gaming to you is like something social, something that um, has a, a lot more emergent gameplay, has a lot more possibility space, has a lot more interactivity and community surrounding it. And I think that's why a lot of like the pipeline is like going now from that type of gaming experience to something like Valorant where you're like playing on a team with your friends. And um, that's, I think, why something like Ratchet and Clank or Psychonauts 2 feels almost anachronistic. It feels a little bit out of touch. Yeah. Um, not that it is. Like, I don't, I don't really think it is out of touch, but there is now like a weird stigma to single-player gaming. It's no longer the default which is kind of weird. Um, like there, there's like a large being a gamer is like no longer like I play fucking Bioshock or I play Bioware games. You know, that's no Mm -hmm. longer what being a quote gamer involves. Now it's like you can play one video game every day. Like, you play the same video game every day and you're a gamer like, but you only play mm-hmm. one video game over the course of 10 years. And maybe that's league of legends. And that's totally normal video gamer status. And a lot of those people yeah. will like never play psychonauts two, And will never be interested in that as a gaming experience. Um, but that's not even like considered quote casual. I have, have we had the casual gamer debate in a, When's the last time we had that? <laughs> is there even a discourse about that um, anymore? Does, is that even a thing? Yeah, there's like, I feel like it just sort of went away. Like maybe like you have like phone gamers, but even then like, like I think at that time we talked to your like younger brother or cousin about playing games on the phone and he was just like, that's what we have to play games on, yeah. you know? And that, that was even three years ago. So those people are like in, college now and they grew up 
like playing games on their phone. And like, so the idea of them, like the idea of like phone gamer being some sort of diminutive, they were like, I was playing fucking league of legends and Terraria on my phone. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. dude? It's such an antiquated, like it's already an antiquated way of talking about video games. Even though this was like two years ago when we were talking about like core gamers and shit, like, that is not a thing anymore. You know, this, this mm -hmm. concept, like playing psychonauts two made you a hardcore gamer 10 years ago or whatever but now yeah it, it makes you kind of a a little bit of a weird kind of out of touch gamer maybe but definitely not hardcore like a boomer yeah you're, you're kind like of a boomer, boomer. um <laughs> but hey dude fucking <laughs> times are a changing but that the casual thing always sucked so it's good that that's gone now i mean it's i'm yeah. sure it's re-manifested in a different way but I, you know, it does feel like there are larger ways of change happening that I'm, I'm into, um, and that are cool, that I respect, that I dig. And, um, I, but I gotta say, as a person who likes playing single player games, it does feel weird to have like a lot of people going toward the multiplayer side of things and having it yeah. be like weirder that I play single player games, you know? It's moving the needle of video games, like what it feels like to be a marginalized gamer, not in the like disenfranchised sense, but in the sense of that, like I'm on the margin of people who play video games um, because most people don't play video games that way now. Well, that's like most my, is probably my too strong, but yeah, a, go ahead. My sister's like a teacher in um, like middle school. Mm -hmm. And I like talked to her class once about like games or whatever. And they like the phrasing that they used was not like, Oh, like you play video games. They would say like, Oh, do you play like apex or Fortnite or like league or something? And I'm just thinking back when we were in high school, which was, I don't know, 10, 10, 15 years. No, not 15, 10, it was like 15 remember. for 15, me. It was 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. I would have been 15. Damn. But it's like you were, there was no, not even just like a, you know, nerdism, nerd dumb being stigmatized. But like, if you were like a video gamer, like a gamer, you played sort of everything you played. Like it meant that you played the games that came out the most. And like some people did like just play Madden or just play like call of duty multiplayer or there was like the MMO crowd. But if you were like a gamer or whatever, and you like had an Xbox or GameCube, PlayStation, you bought like, you had like, you know, I mean, depending on how much money your family had, um, you had anywhere from like two to like 10, 15, 20 games. And a lot of those were single player games. And some of them had like multiplayer modes. Uh, some of them would be online, but like to, to be a gamer in that sense was like, Oh, I play, I'm like, I'm playing the cool new stuff that's out. You know, there was no, like you wouldn't define your gamer dumb by the thing that you played. Um, unless it was like a socially acceptable thing to talk about on like the playground where you could like say that you played Halo. It was more like COD or do, yeah. League do, or something. It was, do you have a, an Xbox, a PS2 or a GameCube? Or do you have N64 or PlayStation was the question. 
Yeah. Do you have a Genesis or a Super Nintendo? Um, that was more what it was. But even then, now that I think about it, it is kind of, it does feel a little bit cyclical in some ways because also when I was a kid, video games have been a social thing in a way that they are and kind of aren't now in some ways. Like I think of Halo, I think of 007. Those were like prime gaming experiences for me as a kid. Yeah. Um, but if anything, it feels like the single player thing has gone from being Ocarina of Time to being like Minecraft, even though Minecraft isn't really a single player experience, you know? It's these mm -hmm. like communal, crafty, buildy, PVE kind of experiences as opposed to the competitive ones. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. And then the last thing I want to say about this is that the pipeline for this stuff, we never really know what it is until 10 years later because you have a lot of kids who play video games that just don't who are they talking to about their gaming habits? Think about how popular Roblox is and how like nobody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> like when we were kids, it was like, oh, Neopets. Nobody, like nobody above the age of, you know, 20 knew what Neopets was at that time. Yeah. But now it's like you have all these stories coming out about like these were the things that influenced us growing up that can only be related really now because... There's no one who can really have that perspective on the the youth, as it were, and what they're doing. I mean, I, I am assuming right now it's like, what, Fortnite? I mean, it's also, I don't know, this Apex? gets into like a larger cultural discussion, but it is also crazy to see the cycles of stuff sort of being rehashed. Like, it's wild to me that like Paramore is sort of like back and resonating with people who were like our age when those songs were first breaking or like panic at the disco or like even just pop punk in general that like, and, but then also at the same time that like, I think some, something about like the precarity of AAA production means that people like Activision produce Warcraft three remastered or Diablo two remastered. That is then being marketed to people who are, the age now of the people who are probably wanting that game to exist, who have memories about it when they were the age. So like someone now, right. Who's like 14 is playing Diablo two remastered and they're like, fuck yeah. In the same way that the person who's like, you know, 35, 40 now is playing it when they were that age. And so there's this other like weird cycle that's sort of happening that I think has to do a little bit with, the sort of the state, the game industry itself has got itself in where we're like rehashing new versions of old experiences for new audiences such that like, I don't know, maybe there's someone, someone's going to grow up now who's like, man, Warcraft three was a big deal to me. And it's like, you're 20 and they're like, Oh, I meant reforged. I played a lot of Warcraft three with my friends. Okay. Um, Obviously, like Fortnite, Minecraft, Roblox to, are like huge things, but it is weird now to see that stuff in a way that that was not a to, thing when we were like to kids. take this into like a zone that I feel like is maybe synthesizing these thoughts a little bit more. It seems like 
we have yet to find out how video games really progress in a larger zoomed out Mm -hmm. macro level. Because if you think about fashion, if you think about music, you do get that cyclical nature where it's like, oh, the 70s are back in. Oh, the the 80s are back in. Where it's like 20 years cycle where it's like the 90s were back like a couple years ago. And then now it's like the 2000s are back. The early 2000s are back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the early 2010s will probably be back in five years or whatever. Um, But with video games, it feels like everything is always here at once, (laughs) you know, like, and then there's new things coming out and there is no real discernible cyclical nature of video games to me because maybe it's because video games move at a much more glacial pace than pop culture at large, but it doesn't feel to me like character action is back right now. It feels like, yeah, I would agree with it that. It feels like a couple big studios who just so happen to be making character action games just so happen to put them out and they'll get the audiences that they get. Probably the same people who played them as kids. But it's like that audience yeah. is like nothing has happened. The same group of people who play Psychonauts 2, like the Venn diagram of people who played Psychonauts 2 and Psychonauts 1 is probably like mostly overlapping, you know? <laughs> Where are they getting new fucking people to play this game? I don't know. It seems unlikely to me that they are game pass, man, game pass. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe then I would say the people who are buying this game. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, it, it does seem like video games are disconnected from that cycle because people are always kind of like looking for different things in video games. And it's such an amorphous medium that it can kind of do so many things. But, uh, I don't know, man, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. If you all see any patterns yeah. that I'm not when it comes to this time cycle shit, let me know because I feel like we're experiencing a, a pretty large shift in what cycle that we're going through right now when it comes to pop car- pop culture at large. But with video games, I don't see it. And I wonder if that's because they don't exist or because um, that video games just don't work that way. Let us know down in the comments if you have any mm. thoughts <laughs> um, on the YouTube, that is, or tweet at us yeah. or whatever. Do you want to wrap it up? Yeah. I think we're ready to wrap up. Anyway, we are Bad End Podcast. This has been episode 105. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on YouTube if you search Bad End Podcast. Uh, you can find our latest episode there if you want to look at the footage of some of the games we were playing and look at what we are talking about. Uh, likewise, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can find us on uh, Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find us on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. You can email us at badendpod at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash badend. If you do that, you will get access to our wonderful superculture discord which is filled with awesome folks friends people we've met in real life through the discord uh and you can also watch our youtube thing live as we broadcast um so you can like participate and discuss and have your comments featured in the little thing down below down there i'm pointing at it in the video um 
But yeah, thank you so much for listening. We are part of Superculture Network. Shouts out to everybody on the network. And um, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Like and subscribe. Rate us on iTunes. Smash the like button. Whatever engagement tools you have, go click them. All right. Uh, We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for joining. Later. Peace.